Welcome back to the second part of Pastor Tim's message, A Sneak Peek into Heaven, from Revelation 21.9 through 22.5. In the conclusion of this message, we get a glimpse at more of the marvelous features of our heavenly home. Here's Pastor Tim. There's enough room for them. Let me give you one more. I want to say it this way. The sanctuary radiates the glory of God. The sanctuary radiates the glory of God. Now, as John is surveying heaven, he's looked through the city, he's measured the walls, he's done all of this stuff. If, if he's measured all that, you know, and he looks at all these incredible things, you know what he's probably thinking. If all these common things are so marvelously beautiful, then I can't wait to see the sanctuary. I mean, I can't wait to see what the temple looks like in there. I can't wait to see what the church building looks like when I get to heaven. And then you read verse number 22. He says, but I saw no temple in it. Well, doggone. Well, that's the thing he's looking for, right? So Tim, why would you say then that the sanctuary radiates the glory of God if there's no sanctuary there? It's because you keep reading the verse. Saw no temple in it. For the Lord God Almighty and the Lamb, they are its temple. The same presence of God that radiates the Shekinah glory, the personal presence of God in that place, that is the temple. Listen, heaven doesn't have a sanctuary because heaven is the sanctuary. It is the place where we gather together. Remember, John was told, come, I will show you the bride. I will show you the people of God. And he shows him this city. This is simply where we are. We are dwelling with God. That's what he said. You will dwell with me, and I will be your God, and you will be my people. Heaven is a radiant place because it forever radiates. The, the, the pleasure and the purposes and the glory of God. Let me give you a third. Heaven is a residing place. It's a residing place. I mean, people are there, right? I mean, so far all we've really seen in the description has been the, the city itself. But, but the angel did say, I want to show you the bride, back in verse number 9. So, yes, heaven's a beautiful place, but you need to know that it is a place that is designed... For people to live. If I go back to that statement that Jesus made in John chapter 14, he said, I'm going to prepare a place for you. I'm not going to prepare a place for a museum. I'm not, I'm not going to prepare a place that's just going to be somewhere for people to come look at, a monument. I'm preparing a place for you. And it's wonderful and beautiful and glorious as this place is, as much as it reflects the character and the nature of God, He is preparing that place for you. He thinks about you in these terms. He thinks about you when He thinks about things that are beautiful. By the way, the word that Jesus used when He said, in my Father's house are many mansions, sometimes we'll, we'll call it that, is the word mane. We get our word monastery 
from it. It means a place to stay. I mean, it literally means a dwelling place or a resident. So there are residents that are in heaven. Who are they? Who's there? Let me give you three groups of them. Number one, the saved are there. The saved are there. John refers to them in verse number 24 as the nations of those who are saved. That's what he says. The nations of those who are saved shall walk in its light. People from every tribe, every tongue, every nation, every people group, everybody who has been redeemed by the Lord will eternally be there and walk in the light of who He is. At the very end of this chapter, He's going to describe them as those who have their names written in the Lamb's book of life. You know, there's an interesting passage later on where where the Bible says that all all those who are dead without Christ are going to stand before the Lord at the great white throne judgment. All the lost will be there. And all the lost will be judged. And the Bible says that there will be a number of books that are brought out that Jesus will bring out. And you begin to wonder, what are some of those books? I think for sure the Bible is going to be there. And I think another book that's going to be there for sure is the Lamb's Book of Life. You may say, well, why in the world would the Lamb's Book of Life be there? One, because it says it's going to be there. But why? Why would that book be there? If, if the people that are gathered there before the great white throne judgment, none of their names are in the book. That's why the book's there. Hey, I'm looking through the book. No, your name ain't in here. There's another reason, though, why I think the Lamb's Book of Life is there. If I, if I use my Bible, then, as, the, as, as an example of that, I'm going to guess that somewhere around, if you can see that, I want to say somewhere around this many pages will have names written on them. And somewhere around this many pages will all be blank. And it's just what I think. But I think a part of having the Lamb's Book of Life there is to show them, number one, your name's not there, but number two, there's room for your name there. There's plenty of room for your name. At this point, where we are today, it's a matter of repentance, isn't it? It's a matter of repenting of my sins, placing my faith in Christ, asking Him to come into my heart and in my life and genuinely save me. Then I get to be part of that verse 24. The nations of those who are saved shall walk in His light. Let me give you a second group. I think it's the same people. But they're not just called saved. I would call them the surrendered. The surrendered reside there too. Look at verse number 24 continues. After he says the nations of all those uh, who are saved are walking in His light, he says, and the kings of the earth. So really, I mean, it's people from every walk of life, isn't it? It's those who are kings, and it's those who are nobodies, you know? It's those who the world values as being someone extra special, and then somebody who's not special at all. All kind of folks are going to be there. But notice what he says at the end of verse 24. The kings of the earth shall bring their glory, the glory of their kingdom, 
the glory and honor, he says, of who they are and who they have ruled over in this world. They will bring their glory and honor into it, which means that they will give that. They will surrender their glory. They will surrender their honor to the one who really deserves it. Listen, it's so important, it's such a special thing that in verse number 26, he says the same thing about anybody. He says, and they shall bring the glory and honor of the nations into it. There's not any room for any, uh, anyone else's glory other than Jesus' glory. That's why we find even, even those who are saved, who are given those crowns, what do they do? They cast those crowns back at the Lord's feet. Because he's the only one who deserves that. Listen to this passage. Maybe we want to write the reference down. It's Isaiah chapter 60. Isaiah chapter 60, verses 1 through 11. I'm not going to read all 11. I'm going to skip around just a little bit. Listen to what Isaiah said. Arise and shine, for your light has come. And the glory of the Lord is risen among, upon you. And his glory will be seen upon you. The Gentiles, that's the nations, by the way, it's the same word. The Gentiles shall come to your light and kings to the brightness of your rising. Lift up your eyes all around and see. They all gather together, they come to you. You shall see and become radiant. Your heart shall swell with joy because the wealth of the nations has come to you. And they shall proclaim the praises of the Lord. And I will glorify the house of my glory. Therefore the gates shall be opened continually. They shall not be shut day or night. That men may bring to you the wealth of the nations. And the kings in their procession. Sounds like Isaiah had the same vision that John had. Of what it was going to be like. This real, radiant residential place where people bring who they are and give that back to the Lord and surrender it. Let me give you one more group. Sinlessness. Just, it's not really a person, is it? Just sinlessness itself is going to reside there. Two chapters earlier, in chapter number 19, the Bible says came the final judgment. Satan, sinners, and sin all have their uh, they're part in the second death. They're cast in the lake of fire into hell. And they're never going to be heard from ever again. So they're not coming back from that. So even though, you know, Isaiah even said it, even though the gates of heaven are never shut, sin's still not getting in, is it? Because it's gone. It's already been, it's already been dealt with. It's already, it's already been done away with. Sin is never, ever going to have a chance. In fact, in this verse, when John says, look if you will there in, uh, in verse number 27, but there shall by no means enter it anything that defiles or causes an abomination or a lie, but only those who have been written in the Lamb's book of life. He actually uses a double negative. What he's saying is, sin will never, 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 never have a snowball's chance of getting into heaven. It's going to be a sinless place. Heaven's wonderful, isn't it? There's one last thing I want to share with you today. And that is heaven is a regal place. 
You see, even though we kind of come to the conclusion of chapter number 21, the, the train of thought that, that John has doesn't end just when the chapter breaks. There's, there's one more boxcar to the train, if you will. And so we just simply read through chapter number 22's chapter break as he continues on. And it reminds us that heaven is royal. It's regal, if you will. He's talking about the throne. By the way, next week, we're going to talk about this throne room in detail. So let me give you just a little bit about it right here. All right, look, if you will, in verse number 1. He showed me a pure river of water of life, clear as crystal, proceeding from the throne of God and of the Lamb. And in the middle of the street and on either side of the river was the tree of life, which bore twelve fruits, each tree yielding its fruit every month. And the trees of, uh, and the leaves of the tree were for the healing of the nations. And there by no means be any more curse, but the throne of God and of the Lamb shall be in it, and His servants shall serve Him. Three things about this throne. First of all, it's a living throne. It's a living throne. This pure river that he describes in verse number 1 is described as being filled with water of life. It's the water of life then that flows down and begins to, to come from the throne of God, works its way to the trees of life, then which gives life to all. Notice those trees. Both sides of the, both sides of the river and right down the middle of the road. Everybody has access to it, right? Everybody has access to it. And it's continually bearing fruit. There's not a time when it doesn't. It's for healing. There's, it's a place of healing. It's a place of life. And it's everlasting. And it comes from the Lamb Himself. It reminds me of Jesus talking to that woman at the well, you know. When He said, if you knew who was talking to you, you'd ask me and I'd, I'd give you living water. Whoever drinks of this water is going to thirst again, but whoever drinks of the water that I shall give him will never thirst again, but will bubble up in him like a fountain of life. That's what you see in these verses that are here. It is a perpetual oasis. It's a living throne. Number two, it's a learning throne. It's a learning throne. What is it that makes heaven heaven? It's the presence of God. Listen to this. One of the most beautiful verses that we'll read today. They shall see His face. You get to see the face of God. Remember back in Exodus chapter 33, that's what Moses wanted more than anything else. Lord, show me your face. God said, you cannot see my face. For no man can see my face and live. Even John himself said, went so far in his gospel as to say, no one has seen God at any time. And yet we've seen Jesus. But one of these days, we're going to see Him for who He is. And He knows us. Look at it. His name shall be on their foreheads. It's a way of simply saying we belong to Him. And we get to see Him. It's a learning throne because now... We see as in a mirror dimly, but then how? Face to face. Face to face, we get to see Him. It's a learning throne. And finally, number three, it is a lasting throne. It's a lasting throne. And verse number five begins this way, There shall be no night there, 
They need no lamp nor light of the sun, for the Lord gives them light. We said, saw that a while ago, didn't we? Look at the end of the verse. And they shall reign forever and ever. Nobody's going to usurp the throne. Nobody's going to inherit the throne. The throne is His forever and ever and ever. And we get to reign right alongside of Him. This is the kind of place that God has prepared for His people. Is that you? Do you know for sure that if something were to happen to you, if you were to die today, is what John saw then what you would see in the very next light? can be. And you can know it. I want to help you know it. In just a minute, I want to ask you, if you come right here to my table, I'll share with you how you can know for sure. Maybe you want to come to the altar. And just say, God, I, I know for sure that's where I'm going. But when you talk about sinlessness being there, <laughs> I'm not there yet. Maybe just some things that you need to deal with in your own life. You ready? Let's pray. Jesus, we are amazed we are astounded. We are overwhelmed when we think about the awesomeness of heaven. Then when we think that you have prepared that place because you had us in mind, you've prepared that place for us. It's simply a reflection of who you are. God, it makes us want to give you our life. It, it, makes you want, it makes us want to surrender our life to you. It makes us want to be useful in your hands some way. Father, we pray that you would take these moments, and that you would do that for your glory today. Move in the hearts of your people. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Stand with me where you are. What an amazing look into heaven. This is the kind of place that God has prepared for his people. Do you know him? Have you accepted Jesus Christ as your Savior and Lord? Pastor Tim would love to connect and share with you about a personal relationship with Jesus Christ and how you can know that you know that Jesus is your Savior and Lord. That address is churchoffice at brentdavid.org. We are located at 2801 West Brit David Road, Columbus, Georgia, 31909. Thanks again for joining us here on Brit David Podcast.